You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. And we'll spend the next hour talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we do it. Uh, you want to contact the show? Phone may not get through today, but you can always email us at letstalktorah at gmail.com. We're going to have a fascinating guest. I'm holding a children's book in my hand. Um, it's a fantastic book. Um, the author actually has another 37 of these books. We're going to talk about her books. She's actually a Harvard grad, and I want to know why a Harvard grad is writing children's books. That's the first question. Also, and her name is Bracha Getz. Uh, she also has a memoir about her own journey through life. So in the next segment, we're going to Skype with Bracha. We are going to have a fantastic conversation. Hopefully, we'll learn a lot. And kids' books, which I do read to my kids. So um, we got to get through that. Lots of things in the Torah portion. We'll see what we get through. Um, we got uh, Aaron's two sons, or two out of his four sons, are killed. We have Moses getting angry and what happens over there. We're going to talk about kosher animals and kosher fish and kosher birds and all kinds of good stuff. Um, but let's get rolling. So first of all, the weather is unbelievable. Besides that, it's broiling in here. But I, I was wearing my coat this morning when I left the house. So I put my coat back on to come to the studio. And I realized my car says it is 62 warm degrees outside. And that I can handle. Beautiful weather. The weather's been warming up. We're towards the end of March already. Time to get ready for the Passover season. It's been fantastic. Just a little recap. Last week was Purim. So we talk about it. Purim is a children's holiday. The, the children are running around in costumes. And they're delivering food packages. And they're singing. And they're dancing. It's, it's really very beautiful. My students come to my house. And, and I have uh, candy for them. And they give me their packages of food. It's, it's really a very beautiful, wonderful time. And uh, because Purim is all about kids, I figured now would be a great week to continue talking about children. But these books are not just regular storybooks that we're going to talk about. These are books with a purpose. Like this one in my hand is called Let's Appreciate Everyone. It talks about disabilities, teaching children how to deal with other children, teaching children about God, teaching children um, about being safe from strangers, all kinds of fantastic books, which we will get into as the show moves along. So... Let's, uh, let's get to the beginning of the Torah portion as much as we can get through in our first segment. So it is the eighth day of inaugurating the tabernacle. Moses has been building the tabernacle for the last week. Moses has been training Aaron and his four sons to, to take over the job of being the priests. Aaron will be the high priest. His sons will be priests. And the eighth day, the practice is over. Now it's for real. 
So Aaron is bringing the sacrifices, and his children are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And uh, they bring all the sacrifices, and they do the slaughtering, and they catch the blood, and they sprinkle the blood, and they put all the, the meat on top of the altar. And they're waiting for a fire from God to come down from heaven and consume all those sacrifices. That's what they're waiting for. The first day, they were not supposed to bring their own fire. No fire. So Aaron goes to his brother Moses and says, it's my fault. I was responsible for the golden calf. Um, Let's go pray. So Moses and Aaron go into the building of the tabernacle, and they pray. They finish praying. A fire comes down from heaven, starts in the Holy of Holies, makes its way out through the Holies, on to the altar, and it consumes all those sacrifices. Except... Along the way to the altar, that fire, on purpose, uh, runs into Aaron's two older sons, Nadav and Aviu, and it kills them. You know, this is a, a very special day. This is the first day where the priests are the, are actually working as priests and certain sacrifices the first day. And God's presence comes down to the tabernacle for the first day. A lot of special things are happening. And the commentaries discuss a lot what exactly did this Nadav and Avi, what did they do wrong? They deserved a death penalty on such a special day. What's interesting is there's actually a pretty long list. The question is, you know, how terrible does this list really seem? So let's talk about a couple of things on the list. And I think if we, if we look at them carefully, we'll see there's like a thread that goes through all these concepts or all these issues, and it's the same problem, and we'll understand why these two great righteous people deserved a death penalty. So first of all, it says that by Mount Sinai, there were people that gazed, these were the leaders. Moses brings the 70 elders and and Nadav and Aviu, they get to go close to Mount Sinai, and it says they gazed at God through eating, whether it means as if they were eating like we're friends, like we're buddies, or they actually made a party, and then they were like gazing or staring at God's presence, and that was considered inappropriate. They, they, they don't get to gaze, stare at God. They're in His presence, but they need to know not to stare. So really, all those people would eventually get a death penalty, but God did not want to ruin the celebration of giving the Torah, so God has patience. God says, I'll hold up, but they're all going to die. Which again lends, leads us to wonder, so why, why on this special day of the eighth day of the inauguration are they dying? So that's problem number one. Problem number two, it says, is they drank wine before they did the service. Problem number three, it says, is um, they wanted to bring incense, 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 good, Katoris is the Hebrew word, incense, into the Holy of Holies, which really that was something only the high priest gets to do on the, on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur. They also wanted to do it. So really the question is, what are they thinking? Like, you cannot go into the Holy of Holies. That's the rule. They're supposed to know that. You, you don't get to bring, as this Katoris, these spices that are daily burnt, are burnt in the outside room, not in the Holy of Holies. Only on the high, on the on the holiest day of the year, on Yom Kippur, then it's allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, and only by the high priest. Not everybody gets to go ahead and say, "Me too." So the question is, what were they thinking? Now, by the way, also um, it says they were never married. 
Um, it also says they wanted to be the new leaders. They felt they would be better leaders than Moses and Aaron. So the question is, what exactly is, is the big deal? So it's a very interesting big deal. The big deal is that God sets up the rules and regulations of how to become holy. How do you approach God? How do you talk to God? How do you pray to God? How you serve God? Where you're allowed to go when you serve God? And in the temple area, there's different rooms and there's different areas. And some are off limits, no matter who you are. And some, depending on the service, you are allowed or you're not allowed. Nadvin Aviu very much wanted to get closer to God. That's what they wanted. They wanted to... By when we say staring at God, they were trying to understand, to get a better feeling of God, a closeness to God. When they wanted to bring these special spices, this incense, into the Holy of Holies, that is a way of becoming closer to God. The only problem is you need permission to be going in that direction. When they ate, the, the eating was to make them happier. When people eat, we become friendlier, we become closer. When there's a joy, I can become more holy. The same with drinking wine. They're not getting drunk. They had a glass of wine because the wine will allow them to, to become, to feel good, to feel joy, and therefore become closer to God. I mean, that happens to be true, that even the prophets could only prophesize when they were in a good mood. A prophet in a bad mood, a prophet who's unhappy, is not getting prophecy. Even Elijah, when he needed a prophecy, he had to call for the musician to play some music, to put him in a good mood. So, Nadvin Aviyu, they wanted to create this level of closeness to God, and they thought that's the way to go. So, it pretty much like God says, you know, I'm out signing, made a mistake, I can let it slide. But I can't let it slide a second time because now you're showing clearly that you think you make the rules how to become close to God. And that's not the way it works. God, and we've talked about this, I think, in the past. God does not want me to kill myself to become holy. God wants me to live and be holy. And I'm supposed to take what I have and and uh, the food I eat and the air I breathe and the business that I'm in or the Torah study that I do or the kindness or the good deeds, I'm supposed to use my physical and turn it into spiritual. But I'm not supposed to go ahead and make my own rules and regulations that God must have made it clear um, is not the way to do it. So again, there's always people throughout history that have decided that they know best how to get close to God, and it usually does not end well. So therefore, this tragedy takes place of Nadav and Aviyu being killed by this heavenly fire because they were taking matters into their own hands. They were going ahead and deciding this is how one becomes as close as possible to God. They were not allowed to do that. They did it. Therefore, they deserved the death penalty, and they received it. The problem is, this is the eighth day of the inauguration, Aaron and his other two sons cannot go to the funeral. They're supposed to be holy. They're going to the funeral will make them unholy, and then they can't serve um, in the tabernacle. So Moses tells them, he says, you guys will stay in the tabernacle. You'll do what you're supposed to do, and the rest of the Jewish people will go to the funeral. So everybody will cry over these two great people, uh, but you guys got to stay here. Moses also explained to them, that um, even though you're a mourner, 
to Aaron and his two sons that are left, even though you guys are mourners and really you shouldn't be allowed to eat from the sacrifices, special dispensation today. Today you must eat from these sacrifices because many of those sacrifices were one time only. It was inauguration. It was sacrifices from the Prince of Judah. So any of those sacrifices are one time deal. It's not happening again. So therefore Moses said you got to eat them. Okay. I guess the funeral takes place. They have the sacrifices. They're barbecuing. And Moses comes back and he sees that one of the sacrifices happens to be the sacrifice brought every month for the new month. Uh, They burn to a crisp because they didn't want to eat it. So Moses gets angry, gets angry at them. I told you, you got to eat everything. And you're, you're, you're like your brothers. You're making your own rules and regulations. You do not get to make your own rules and regulations. I'm telling you what to do. You're not following. Why did you not follow my directions? Did something happen? Did you ruin the sacrifice? So interesting enough, Moses is talking to the two sons, but Aaron is the one that answers because Aaron understands Moses is being nice by yelling at his kids, but he means to be yelling at Aaron. So Aaron says to Moses, he says, no, everything was done kosher. Everything was done perfect. So, but what happened? He says, you told us that only those special once in a forever sacrifices we had to eat. This monthly sacrifice is every month is going to be a new one. So this one doesn't make sense. We should eat. So Moses said, you're right. So now we got to wonder. God gave the whole Torah to Moses. Moses gives it over to Aaron and his sons, and he, and he teaches it to the Jewish people. So how could it be that Aaron knew the law and Moses did not know the law? How is that possible? It doesn't make sense. And to say we just forget because, you know, I, I didn't review it, it's a little strange to say such a thing. Maimonides actually explains that from when the time the Torah was given— there was always someone, for a thousand years, there was always someone who knew everything, who knew every single word that Moses said, all the way down the line, no arguments, and Maimonides actually draws the line. He actually tells you who these people were through the generations, goes through Elijah, goes to the prophets. Um, after about a thousand years, people started forgetting, and uh, that's when they had to start writing down the Mishnah, the, the Talmud, the oral law, which was always... Uh, by heart, was always not written down, had to start getting written down. Okay, that's to the side. So the question is, how could Moses forget and Aaron remember? It doesn't make sense. So the rabbis explain a fascinating concept. It says Moses got angry. And because he got angry, and the way I always tell it over is, when a person gets angry, the brain shuts off. The Talmud says it nicer. The Talmud says a person gets angry and he forgets things. So Moses got angry and he forgot the law. But, but really, really, when a person gets angry, the brain shuts down. It's just a good, good knowledge to have. When you get angry, walk away. There's no way that you will do anything constructive when you're angry. It's impossible. A person's brain is not working properly when they're angry. When you're angry, shut it down. Go away, come back later, rehab the conversation. Your kids did something in school, you're angry, for sure you will not communicate with them properly. You get angry at your wife, there is no way that you will, you will communicate properly with your spouse, with your children, with parents. Nowadays, kids can yell at parents somehow. Um, with staff, it, if you're angry, there is no way. And it happens all the time. 
Oh, I'm so sorry I said that to you. I was angry. I wasn't thinking. Now, that's true. But once the words are out of your mouth, you can't take them back anymore. So, so saying to somebody, I'm very sorry I was angry, is true. And it's true you didn't mean what you said, but you said it already. It's like too late. So it's very important. And that's the lesson we learned from here. When a person gets angry, he must make sure to stop talking. Back off. Think about it. Wait till you calm down. I mean, it's happened to me. I got an email about something. I was all angry about it. I waited two days. Then told my wife about it. And she explained. Three days later, I met with a person who sent the email. But I wasn't angry anymore. And I was able to think clearly. And I actually, I told him, I said he was right. I said, uh, you know what? Your point was well taken. I wasn't happy the way you said it in the email. But your point was well taken. I accept. And whatever he told me to do, I filed through with so that's this. these first two lessons from the Torah portion uh, this week is number one, is when we, we, want, we all want holiness. And we all got to take our physical and turn it into holiness and serve God with it. But it's not our job to, to die to make ourselves holy. And it's not our job to be smarter than God how we should be holy. That's one. And the second lesson is this lesson of anger, that when a person is angry, he stops thinking. So uh, we probably talked about it in the past. Another famous example is the frogs. We're getting close to Passover, so we know the, the frogs came out of the, out of the Nile River by the second plague, and the Egyptians start to try to kill the frogs. And as they try to kill the frogs, the frogs keep multiplying. So, hello, if every time you hit a frog, it multiplies instead of dying, so stop hitting the frog. The reason they didn't stop hitting the frogs was because they were so angry that their brains shut off. And when our brains shut off, we stop working. And we stop thinking. So therefore, that's our lesson. And here comes my music. So that's a lesson about anger. When we come back, hold through the break, we're going to be joined on Skype by Bracha Getz, author of 38 children's book books, plus her own memoir. Um, and we'll talk about it when we come back. So hold through the break. Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Bury the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a cord. <laughs> I'm Ben Rose for the Motor City Juke Joint. I'll have interviews with musicians and a playlist curated by me just for you. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier. <laughs> I still just love that line. Yeah. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you? Detroit. It's the home of some of the world's most talented artists. It's where techno and Motown were born. It's a city where you can experience raw, untamed rock and roll. I'm Ben Rose, and I'm inviting you to join me weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 for the Motor City Juke Joint. I'll have interviews with musicians, info on what's going on around town, and a playlist curated by me just for you. It's all right here on NewRadioMedia.com. Can that itch be caused by stress? Now we already know that stress can increase your odds of everything from colds to cancer. And now there's new research to suggest that stress can also make you itch. You see, it seems clear that stress activity is the immune system of mice, making them itch, and the experts say the same is probably true for humans. The study from the University of Medicine in Berlin and McMaster University in Canada found that stress can exacerbate skin disease by increasing the number of immune cells in the skin. Now, these immune cells are believed responsible for initiating and perpetuating skin diseases that can make you itch. 
The report in the American Journal of Pathology indicates that doctors were able to prevent stress-induced increases in white blood cells in the skin by blocking the function of the proteins that attract these immune cells to the skin in the first place. Now, more work is certain to come in this area of research. With another prescription for your health, I'm Dr. Jim Bragman. And we're back. Waiting, and there, it looks like we're connecting to Bracha. I guess someone has to pick up over there and say hello. So while we're getting ready, I guess I will introduce Bracha. Uh, Bracha is, here we go, it's right here in my paperwork. Bracha is a Harvard grad, author of 38 children's books, plus her own memoir, Searching for God in the Garbage. Uh, Bracha, how are you? Now I see you better. I hear you. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Cool. Excellent. It's good to see you. I even brought one of your books, which you can't see. It was in our school library called Let's Appreciate Everyone. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that book as we go along. But before we even get started, um, who is Bracha Getz? Um, okay. Well, right now, I'm the author of 38 children's books because one just came out this week. And... Um, I, I I graduated from Harvard University, and um, I was searching for spirituality in my life. And um, thank God, I eventually learned about my own Jewish heritage, and I became observant of the Torah guidelines um, at age 22. And um, so it really... Um, I I devoted my life to writing books, the kind of books that I wanted, that I would have wanted to read as a child. I I was always searching, and so I I want to, I try to uh, make the very deep concepts available for children in a simplified way and in a joyful way. That's that's what I try to do. And, yeah, and, and you do, we're going to talk about specific books because I, uh, I didn't read it to my class today, but I'm going to because this one I found in the school library, this Let's Appreciate Everyone, which we'll, we'll get to. And I just wanted to maybe talk a drop longer because you said so many things at the same time. And <laughs> um, first of all, you're a Harvard grad, right? You're not uh, just somebody. Writing books of professors. Right. That's why I say I'm not I'm not your typical Harvard grad because first you don't picture a Harvard grad writing children's books, picture books, and also that they're spiritual. Um, that's another thing that you wouldn't picture from a Harvard grad. So yes. um, <laughs> that's well said. Yes, you would not think of anything <laughs> spiritual uh, coming out of an Ivy League college. That's unfortunate, but yes, very true. Sorry about interrupting. Go ahead. 